When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to go to the bachelorette party. Good, that's what I want to hear. Does it bother you that she's coming to my bachelorette party? I didn't realize she was. Once I feel betrayed, it's done. There's nothing good that could come out of this trip. It's a ticking time bomb. I don't think a bachelorette party would be complete without some sort of embarrassing game. You must attain a pair of men's underwear, sign a man's ass, motorboat a D, throw a drink in someone's face. Let's be honest, this is a typical night at Sir. Tom and Ariana, I get it. You guys are so perfect together. Vomit. You can't say you're not a good person. You're hard not to love. Was Jack trying to hit on you again last night? I don't know. He seems sincere. These sound like the preliminary stages of getting jacked. Jacked. You definitely railed the shit out of that girl in the bathroom. I did not. We don't talk about what happened in Miami. I shouldn't have to ask you to lie for me. Like, stop ratting us out. Welcome to Vanderpump Robs, a sexy, unique recap podcast hosted by myself, Rob Schulte, and my co-host, Mackenzie Green. As always, we're here. You know, we took our mid-season hiatus. You know, we we found ourselves, I think, in these yeah. few weeks. Yeah. You know, we really we really disconnected so we could reconnect yeah. with yeah. the Vanderpump crew. It's truly uh, probably the healthiest thing we could have done. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we all know that I was starting to descend into madness yeah. to a point where I was like, you know, who's the most attractive man that ever lived? Yeah. No Hemsworth, no Evans. <laughs> it's a Tom. It's a Tom. And I stand by it. And people are like, I think you've watched too many episodes. Of yeah. And then when I. Like, yeah. When I went to get a haircut and I was like, I don't know, Tom has good hair. And then I was like, okay, we got to take it. Yeah. You know, we gotta, we're like, we're getting a little too far. People are like, man, this is your third Instagram story series about <laughs> Tom Sandoval's most attractive man. And I was like, guys, I think I've been watching the show too long. I think I'm officially the person who's like, I can't remember the name for it, but I remember in AP Psych in high school, our teacher basically explained to all of us, the reason you all find each other attractive is because you're around each other. Yep. So much. And that's yep. no, here we are. Fish in a barrel. You know, <laughs> school's the fish, town's the barrel. So there is something before we get into today's episode. Like I I saw on social media that you finally watched one of my favorite movies, which probably says something about me. Uh Midsummer. Yeah. And so first of all, cards on the table, that movie's fucked up. Like, yeah. It's so messed up. Yeah. But can I just get a like a person to person? What were your thoughts on that film? Okay, full disclosure. The only reason I watched this movie is because Will Poulter is going to be playing basically like Space Jesus in the MCU. Yes, 
And so I, like the rest of the internet, was like, the kid for We Are the Millers? And then immediately Googled him and was like, who is this wildly attractive man on by Google Images? And so then I was like, okay, I clearly missed something because I watched Bandersnatch and I was like, he didn't look cute then. So then I had, I started going back through the Will Poulter like discography so I could figure out what did I miss? And one of the movies was Midsommar. And I was like, oh, well, it's Yelena. Uh, it's Space Jesus. It's uh, a dude from The Good Place. Like, it's all the actors I like. Let me watch this. And then I proceeded to be like, what is wrong with y'all that like this movie? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't even that it was bad. It was truly like I was half paying attention. And when I would look up, things would be happening that I would just be like, no, what? No. Huh? Why? What, how did we get here? Without giving too much away, I can just imagine you like, you know, watching part of it, doing work on the other part, you know, standard McKenzie stuff. And yeah. then looking up and seeing a group of mothers singing. Yeah. And to anyone yeah. seeing the mo- who has seen the movie, knows what I'm They're talking about. I really did. I heard like chanting. Yes. Grunting. Looked up and went, oh, no. You're like, evil. Thank like, you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm out. I'm going to go. <laughs> Click. Yeah, uh, I think I really like the movie just because I'm into like folklore and I'm into like okay. I listen to like cult podcasts and I'm a big fan of a podcast called Ono oh Ross and Carrie, which is about like the whole tagline is they show up so you don't have to. So they've like done the Scientology training. I, they've done the Mormon conversion. Wait, they've you have basically it. just given me because I'm also obsessed with cult. I'm oh, you got it uh, to a point that. Oftentimes the people in my life are like, I think you should never go near one, even as a joke, because yeah. I feel like you find it amusing enough to be like, well, we're here. Let's try it out. Let's oh, yeah. About. Yeah. Well, you'll love that podcast. I just love I love cults in all their forms. I love like weirdos who are like I changed every pipe in my house because I follow uh, some crazy health guru that was like the way the water system set up, it'll kill you. And they're like, I paid $800 million for a new water filtration system. And you're like, but you're eating Flaming Hot Cheetos. What are you doing? Let's just hold ourselves accountable. If either of us starts talking about getting a tattoo from a a divine creator we follow on TikTok, (laughs) then let's let's at least just step in. Yeah. I mean, honestly... We hey. did the same thing with this podcast. Yeah, that's true. Right. We were kind of like, I think we're getting a little... We took a pilgrimage to Sarah. Yes. The Kepsi yes. thinks she's in love with Tom Vanderbilt. I think we should take a quick break. And yeah. We need to time out real quick. And on that note, we should get into today's three episodes. That's right, folks. Stay, take a... You know, get to the end of this one. We got a little something special for you. Yes. Uh, Mackenzie... I watched, well, we both watched, but I only took notes and it will be presenting on, this is my Rob talk, uh, season three, episode 11, Tears Over Miami. It's a beautiful day in Miami. That's right. Blue skies and it's hot out there. And on today's episode, a lot happens. Jax reunites with an old friend at Sheena's bachelor party, making the group wonder if Jax is keeping secrets about his past. Ooh, a clause sentence in a description. Okay. Then it says, Tom Sandoval pleads with Kristen to stop harassing Ariana. Lisa confronts Stassi about cutting Katie out of her life. 
this was definitely written by like a temp who was like, just give me the three yeah. sentences. They were like, right. I can't. They were like, I'm not transposing this entire episode. So please just tell me what you want. It's in yeah. the description. Now, where I wanted to start in this episode, Vale is still a person and she's great. But like, okay, she obviously <laughs> did hook up with Jeffs. I mean, like, really? she's saying really? everything but. Like, rule number one of being a drag dealer. Don't get high on your own supply. Yep. Don't actually hook up with Jack. Just keep Jack on the line. Keep your storyline going. Keep it moving. Keep it breathing and light. Well, and I think that the hard part is, is that like, hey, once again, everyone should know I'm friends with Peter. No, but like, he's still like, they don't, we don't talk about like how the show works. Like, that's not the point of like hanging out and like. I kind of like that I don't know how the show works, so I can still, like, speculate on on things like, why is Veal a character? And we talked about this a little bit yeah. a couple of episodes ago, but, like, it feels like there was a conversation with Veal. Hey, we would like you to do X, Y, and Z to just get a good story. And she almost did it. We saw the example with the cell phone. Like, I guess I'll look at it, but I can't, but I will. Exactly. And I feel like that was like the avalanche of like, fuck, we have nowhere, nothing to do because yeah. she didn't commit. And now with Jax, she didn't commit to dating him. I don't know. I think Vale is an odd bird. And I also realize in my notes, I referred to her as Val because that's how much place she has in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit. I'm pretty sure that Jax calls her Val a few times and people are go. like, Vale, uh, <laughs> You know, she starts talking about him and it's become apparent to everyone but her. But now her, the checks is a sex addict. Like <laughs> you said it right with the drug thing. It's she's like, oh, so he doesn't like me. He likes what he can do with me or something yeah. along those lines. And I think and, what I find so fascinating is I also have to remember this time frame. And remember, like sex addiction had just entered everybody's lexicon because of like Tiger Woods. So it's like this was so early in people's thing where it was like. Is it real? Is it May? Is it a real thing? And I'm sure it was like a, an excuse for 10 years leading up to yeah. it as like exactly. the punchline to 80s bachelor party movie. Exactly. And that's what I thought was so funny when she's like, I think you're sex addict. And he's like, I'm sure I am. A problem. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. of course, I got some kind of problem. And you're like, bro, what are you doing out here in these streets? And it's only confirmed in your next episode when we hear about the nanny cam. But like, Makes it. God, uh, I'll let you handle that one. My name's Bullet Point. I don't want to say it's controversial, but I think that Bravo probably made it a little bit more sensational than it needed to be. And I want to talk about uh, Jason, our friend Jax, and when he lived with John, who was a talent scout for models. I'd- yes. I never needed one, so... <laughs> I know, uh, right? It's like, you know, thankfully, we were able to work yeah. our brains and not our absolutely stunning, gorgeous, overwhelming good luck. Uh-huh. I just... Here's the thing. When anyone who says they This is a PSA for anyone out there. If you <laughs> yeah. are working with someone, they ask you to live in their home, regardless of <laughs> romance, it is a different <laughs> relationship. Yeah, it's not the same thing. If anybody yeah. tells you as an employee... You are going to come and live with me. I don't care if it's even for Jeffrey Bezos. Just yeah. be like, oh, no, no, they. Thank you so much for the offer. That's really kind of you, but I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. sit this one out. 
I'm conflicted with it because I like having backstory to these people. I don't like that they were like, ooh. This show, and I'm not even saying Vanderpump. I'm saying literally this show with young people working in a restaurant starts now. And it is legitimately like one of the guys says like, oh, we know I live with this talent guy. And everybody's like, we love that. We love that. Uh-huh. Non-defined, non-binary king. Jax would be hooking up with everybody and we'd be like, yeah, I go by he, him. But honestly, they, them is also acceptable. And like, that's the new show I want. I want somebody to, I like a Gossip Girl reboot. I want a, a I want an auxiliary version of Vanderpump Rules for Gen Z. That show would be amazing. It's like pansexual. It's polyamorous. Absolutely has three girlfriends and a boyfriend. And everybody loves that for him. And then like that version of Peter is like, I prioritize your mental health. Instead of yep. going to the alley, I have a lounge set up for them in the back of Sir where they sit and they decompress and wear like, cry room. Head. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's a whole different. Show. I love the it. The Toms in this version are hyper-masculine. And then the girls are very, <laughs> the women that are very like, I want a man to take care of me, but I also want you to understand that I hate all men. Here's the last thing I'll say about John. Jax did choose his words uh, carefully. Um, so go back and listen to some of those scenes. But, you know, I could spend another 10 minutes talking about Jax's freedom tattoo on his back. But um, I think this is honestly, when we saw them connecting and talking, it's like the most genuine Jax we yes. saw. And yes. take that for what it is. Um, the only thing I want to say for the rest of this episode is um, so that I appreciate and I celebrate Ariana. And I think that this is the, I have always told you I'm a fan, but I remember seeing this episode for the first time and being like, God damn, she is putting up with a lot. Like she is at her breaking point on the way to another shitty meal. Like, and she's doing it because she knows she's, and she's not even like, because I think this is going to come hand in hand with your episode when yeah. Katie and Stassi talk. Like, she knows, like, Ariana knows the scenario. She knows what's going on. She knows yeah. the show they're in. She mentions it in future seasons, you know. But she also knows that that comes with, you know, people that are going to hurt you. or yeah. attempt. and it comes with a level of embarrassment. It's like what we talk about. It's like their fourth wall exists. You can't break it, but you also know what's happening. Like, you know your boyfriend. Is outside crying and sobbing to his ex girlfriend of six years, and all you could do is sit inside while <laughs> you watch a whole bunch of boom operators and like producers be like, "Repeat that, and then you just like watch the producer go out and then come back and smiling, and you're like, "Oh great, he probably told her he still loves her." And I like that you know she can open up about like a you know her feelings. Why it takes yeah. her a while to to get there, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that'll come out more in episodes to come. But like, I just, I, you know, I could be totally fooled, but I think she's just a really good person, it seems. And I think she's just trying to be a good egg in a yeah. situation. I think that's probably yeah. the best way to put it, for sure. Yeah. Because all of them want to be on this television show and get yeah. on it. Exactly. But. Like, I think that's where it's like when I say like Vale is just an odd, odd bird. It's like we all know there's a level of like soul selling that has uh-huh. to stay on here. And, uh-huh. and so you kind of have to make like you have to make a decision with yourself of like, 
how loud is my cognitive dissonance going to be between like the person I actually am and the person I have to be on here to yep. keep my paycheck coming? <laughs> yep. Another day in life. We got one more month of filming. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And as we transition onto uh, season two, or season three, episode 12, is that like Stasi really has nothing to do this season. She's just hanging out at Sir. So like, I know that the person Stasi intellectually i know that they exist as a famous person in the world that like dubois follows and all this stuff the stasi i've seen on the show has gotten off a plane from new york has basically just puttered around and seen has not gone on trips and so it's like this moment where all of a sudden she said sir and i'm like i'm like stasi i know you're i know you're famous for the show but what do you do around here and so that to me is really funny that people will DM me and be like, oh my God, what do you think of Stassi? And I'm like, I think, I think she needs to try to insert herself in the show. Yeah. I think she like sitting at tables. Like, yeah. And they're like, looking at me like I've lost my mind. Cause I'm basically telling them like, I, I don't know what Kirstie Alley does. Cheers. I hope she gets better. And they're like, you hope she gets better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they have a point like to ask you, you're at least, you know, your followers, you interact with yeah. your followers, you know, like, she is a character that before this season was gigantic, was calling the shots. Exactly. After this season, similar things happen, but life changes and she makes yep. other stupid or smart or whatever decisions. Exactly. I'm not going to Google it because, guys, I use the Harvard case study method. I don't believe in Googling the information around the case study. I just read the case study I receive. And that is confusing to people because I remember the first time I did an HBS case and they were like, will Starbucks make it with their mobile ordering platform? And I was like, what are we doing? I mm -hmm. just ordered a Starbucks off my, and the teacher was like, no, 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 we don't research outside of what's on that paper. And that's what I'm choosing to do with this here show. Wow. Can we end on that note? No. Okay. So season three, episode 12. It's called A Stand Against Stassi. Stassi refuses to forgive Katie for attending Sheena's bachelorette party, forcing Katie to make a tough decision. Peter asks Bailan on a date. Kristen meets a woman with whom Tom Sandoval allegedly cheated. Oh, boy. And we haven't heard about Miami Girl since, like, episode two. <laughs> yep. so, I yep. love Miami Girl. But I'll tell you, that middle part of the description is where my brain could not get off of, which is Peter asks Bailan on a date. Peter? Peter, you know you're my dog. I adore you. You're a wonderful person. Thank you. you make a great guacamole you make in a glass. Great guacamole in a glass with orange. But Peter, first and foremost, you look like Jack Sparrow in that Cali scene. I love it so much. I love you. I'm you, sorry. I love you. You, you. you know there's an episode where Peter does dress up like a Shut up. Shut up. I can't be here anymore. <laughs> I know you just said you had your dissertation. Okay, just a moment ago. But this is something you're, you know what? If you don't Google it and I send I'm it. I'm going to Google it right now. As we were discussing. Yeah. So uh, I think that might have been in season two, actually, during Stassi's birthday party. And he gets it. He, he tongue in cheeks it. He's like, yeah, Peter the Pirate. I get it. You know, uh, listen to the Medrill the Movies episode where we watch a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And it's great. God bless you. Yeah. They, him and Vale go on a date. I can't, I can't get off that like I as somebody who is a very awkward turtle 
and every date I've ever been on, whether I realized I was on that date or the other person didn't know they were on a date, my God, did that awkwardness feel so familiar and just delightful. And which Peter was like, totally ready. He and Jax are like talking to you, like, what are you going to wear? How are you going to open up? Maybe you should clean your apartment. Like that shirt brings out your eyes. And Peter's like, should I undo two buttons? And Jax was like, four. And like, there's just like, the shirt doesn't fit me in the alley. Like he's he's got the whole, because you know, I love an alley scene. Like the shirt doesn't fit him because he's like full Bruce Bannering out of his shirt, which I'm also like, Peter B, we could order a larger size. And in that moment, you're like, this is awkward. He goes to that, that coffee and he's ready. He's like laser focused eye contact. And Vale is just like, how do I roll out of this moving car? In line with exactly what we were talking about last episode, where when Peter asks her out on the date, we're in the, they're in the alley near the dumpster, yeah. a bevy of flirtatious falls. Yes. She's is. like, she's like, ooh, you're busting out of your shirt, blah, blah, blah. And like rubbing her hand on him yes. and stuff. And, and not that it's a roller coaster. It's and an Peter's roller coaster. giving back what he's getting. They're yeah. flirting. They're talking they're about tattoos. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to complete it with my husband and all this stuff. And I'm like, you didn't need to say that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you would have been like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a whole story, half hard, you know, whatever. Yeah, I have been both Peter and Vale. I was okay. literally in college. I was on a date like Vale, and I was like, all of a sudden, I looked around and I was like, oh no, I'm on a date. And then I like was like, okay, I gotta get like real bro with it and be like, games on in the back. Yeah, let's do it. And then I've absolutely been on Peter's side where I am like the most feminine, coquettish version of myself, and then truly the person's been like, this was this was nice, bra, and I'm like. Yes, bra. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. I, so you need to pay for your portion of the bill. I'm going to yeah. go. Yep. You are just bringing up cringe memories. I think that that should, should have been called. The subtext should have been a friend of my friend with my friend and a friend of my enemy is my enemy. Because the way these people are like, well, I don't like her. You're never supposed to talk to her. And Lisa's like softy. You can't hate everybody that talks to the people you don't like. Yep. And I, in that moment, was like, wow, this place, like, I wrote this note where I was, like, dating at sort of, like, dating in high school. But I actually realized it's more like my time um, in sorority life in college, mm-hmm. where immediately you're, like, having to get the rundown from, like, the chapter gossip to figure out, like, okay, like, it's like getting the the news. You're like, all right, who do I hate this? Because they're like, well, you know, you weren't there, but there was a fight at the SIGAP house between so-and-so and so-and-so and you're friends with that person. So now you don't talk to, and you're like, I can't, I can't keep up. I can't, can somebody please give me a flow chart? Because I would always be, I would never go to the party. And then I would get to chapter on Monday night or Sunday night and be like, we don't sit with her anymore. We don't sit with her anymore. You're like, wow. I've been uh, binge watching Beverly Hills 90210 and they finally got to the college scenes and Ian Ziering's character of Steve Sanders's legacy in uh, Keg House because his father was there. And uh, he's learning he doesn't like that either. He wants to be able to be friends with people. He wants to be able to be friends with Brandon, you know, and Brandon's a solo, solo guy. So, yeah, I mean, deep cut here. One of my best friends and the mother of two of my godsons was somebody I was not supposed to like. And we ended up in a class together and she saw me walk into the classroom and I was there a little too early. She said, hey, Mackenzie, let's sit next to each other. And I thought, oh, God, 
Here it comes. People find out if we're sitting next to each other, I'm out of the group. And here we are years later. I'm not friends with the people that didn't want me to talk to her. And now I'm the godmother to both of her children. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it worked out well I, for us. I, I think it's okay. Um, to squeeze a lot of the Stassi Katie stuff into like a little tiny ball real quick. We, we talked Stassi just sitting around talking to Lisa all the time. Lisa encourages Stassi to answer this drunk dial from Katie at the end of the day. You know, I know Katie's reaching out, but they've been drinking, partying. She's sad. She's calling Stassi. And Stassi should know something like that. But anyway, at the end of the day, Stassi has a friend tell Katie she doesn't want to hang out anymore. What? Is that, would that have been the same scenario too? Someone else would have probably come to you and been like, just so you know, Mackenzie. We saw you sitting with so-and-so. And- yeah. And truly, that's why that's why I laugh now. Here we are, like 12 years later, like a dozen years later. And this woman is one of my closest friends. Like, I'm the godmother to her children. And truly, I remember people being like, if you hang out with her, you can't, like, you can't be friends with her friends. You can't be friends with us. Well, I mean, in back to Vanderpump, like, I, I don't think I've ever, I think this is the point where, like, Katie really stands up for herself. You know, like she stands up for herself in a lot of places, but like Stassi is the is the queen bee, as they say, from her other reality show she was on. <laughs> There's a way I but again, this is getting into our like, is the show feminist or is it not? Where you've got guys fully being like, You hurt my feelings because mm-hmm. I'm upset because and I don't know if it's because all of them have to go to therapy constantly for being insane. On- meanwhile, the meanwhile, like you said, instead of just saying you hurt my feelings, it turns into this very like, well, don't ever speak to this person again. Don't even look at them. They're dead to you. Like none of none of this matters. And you're like, yo, what? Like you almost want to say, like, you guys need to go talk to the guys for a second. Well, like, how to express your anger? <laughs> and then at the same time, then they'll all reverse and like throw glasses at each other. And then True. the women will be like, I'm gonna talk about my feelings. And so then that's when I'm like, this is a dumpster fire. Yeah. We um I think just to put a nice little bow on it. I think that uh, I like when Katie just flat out says, like, I'm not going to be able to make everyone happy. And I'm obviously not making my best friend happy. So who can I make happy? Myself. And that's what I want to do. What a live, laugh, love. It totally. I mean, that's getting put on a pillow. Yeah, I want that on a needle point. Yeah. Oh, I have to be mildly unprofessional for a second. My dog is to be in the water in the background. (laughs) Dogs are always okay. She literally, she does his move. Where if she wants stuff, she will bring her bowls and throw them at me. And then uh-huh. she threw a giant steel bowl at me just now. And I was like, oh, my God, you know I'm doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm leaving all of this in because people love dogs. <laughs> so we've never done this before, but on previous seasons to this show, um, I've I've come up with like, dumpster moments it's the alleyway it's like it's a nicer way than saying the trashiest thing that happened on an episode right (laughs) because it doesn't have to necessarily be negative it can just be something that really like this has jumped out at me uh (laughs) and they usually did it per episode but since we haven't been doing that this season yeah i thought this would be a good time to you know do one here and then we'll do another one at the end of the season I think the biggest dumpster moment so far 
in this season is probably failed. And not her as a person, but the idea of bringing her into this show to be an catalyst for things that don't, that, that fizzle out, you know, they fizzle totally out. Like they go exactly where, you know, production wants them to go. And then yeah. she goes, ah, never mind. And that is like, wow, we have exactly one. Okay. I mean, the thing, I think in this episode, two of my favorite, the ones that I had in episode 12, two of the most insane things I've heard. Now I've heard people say crazy, crazy <laughs> shit about this show. Oh yeah. When Vale says, while talking to Peter in the alley in her stand up, and she says, I'm like the, I'm what, I'm like the, the virginal slut or whatever that was she says. Yeah. Oh, just, oh, like a makeout oh. queen and all that. Yes. And I'm like, oh God, get, like, airlift me out of here. And then yeah. I close second to that from this episode is when she's like, Peter thinks this is a date and it's not a date. And I'm going to have to do the old trick and pretend I'm a lesbian because, you know, I used to be a lesbian. I'm out. I don't know what yeah. to do with you. No, thank you. I'm going to go. I'm going to see myself out. Bless you. Bless your heart. I'm going to go. Ugh. Well, yeah, bless her heart. Hopefully she's doing well. I'll look her up on IMDb again later. Find out. Maybe there's something new. But we have a surprise that I promised at the at the beginning of this episode. And uh, to peek, you know, pull back the curtain, give a little taste of things to the audience. Originally, this season was going to be three hosts. It was going to be you, me, and Dan Kennedy from The Moth and K-Pod and all these other things. Dan is on a different coast than us and just as busy as us. Yeah. So adding the time change with three busy people didn't work it. But Dan left us a voicemail today uh, about his thoughts on season three, episode 13. So the third up ep- next episode in the sequence, uh, what he didn't do is leave a description. So I'm going to read that now, just so everyone knows. At uh, season three, episode 13, Miami Vices. I feel a little bit better of a title. Yep, okay. That was way punnier. Way punnier. Yeah. Uh, Kristen ambushes Tom Sandoval at Sir, prompting Sheena to make a huge scene in front of customers and forcing Lisa to jump into action to keep the restaurant running. So, so. Season three, episode 13. Oh, man. Okay. First of all, yeah, I'm, I'm recording this on, on the day of Veronica Lake's birthday, um, which, you know, if you want to see a, a really sexy scene about uh, people in Los Angeles down on their luck, um, but still amazingly, uh, sort of seductive in their broken charm. Watch Veronica Lake and Joel McRae in, uh, the movie Sullivan's Travels, specifically the scene in the diner, two people not really having things go their way in Los Angeles. Uh, anyway, it's one of the sexiest scenes in American cinema and uh, it takes place in Southern California, a Preston Sturgis movie from 1941. Anyway. All right. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about an entirely 
different group of people uh, arguably down on their luck in Los Angeles 70-something years later. And it's it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's a huge stretch between, you know, a great film maybe and this TV show. But these are also desperate characters in Southern California trying their best. I don't know what to say about this. Here's what I here's the thing. I just finished watching it. Like that's how, if you want to call it method, I am being. Um man, my overwhelming feeling is just I am glad I'm not young. Like I am I am <laughs> I am like I'm not the oldest guy on the block, but I'm at least 20 years older than those folks. And every single one of those years feels like a hard-won luxury and tiny piece of distance between uh, the kind of stuff that drove us all crazy uh, at a certain point in our lives. Uh, here's the thing I don't understand. When, when all of these things happen, like the way they happen between this girl from Miami and Kristen trying to stir this thing up to break up Tom and Ariana. What I don't understand, and, and maybe this is, maybe it's a function of the years going by and gaining like a little distance and a little wisdom or something, or maybe it's the function of not drinking anymore, or I don't know what it is, but why don't any of them just quietly decide not to be friends with any given person. You know what I mean? Why don't, and I know this would make terrible TV. This would make horrible TV, but, uh, but why, yeah, why don't like when they see this type of behavior, you know, where Kristen is creating this huge scene and, and trying to stir things up, uh, and she's screaming at Sheena and she's screaming at Diana, the manager of the restaurant. Why wouldn't Sheena just quietly think to herself, I'm, I'm no longer interested in being aligned with this person or having them be a friend. And I'll, and I'll, and I've made that decision quietly inside of myself. And uh, I know it's going to be better for both of us. And so I'll just lay back accordingly from this day forward. Like I said, it would make for a terrible TV. And I'm sure producers would be like, oh, we have to fire that well-adjusted person and get someone back here who is erratic and, uh, and, and drunk on emotionalism uh, and tequila. Um, but I, I do wonder if uh, without the function of a TV show, would an, a person just simply make that decision? You know, the cast on Vanderpump Rules is being slightly disingenuous all the time. They don't admit what certain motives would be. Like when Lisa is talking to Tom Sandoval and she's asking, why would this, why would this girl come all the way from Miami and insist um, that, you know, you two were together and this, that, and the other thing. And no one ever goes, well, you know, let's face it. She probably wants to be on the show or no one ever says, well, I know it's laughable, but she's delusional in thinking that I'm actually wealthy from doing three seasons of reality television. Look, maybe her and Tom did hook up. 
Uh, again, so what? whose business is that other than the two of them? Tom's not married. Tom doesn't have kids. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. They're young. You know, Tom's girlfriend, they've obviously talked about it. She's like, you know, they're aligned and in a relationship and working through two lives together. And uh, they they have no desire to, like, make this a big issue. So so there. So uh, every everything clearly consensual. And uh, I don't understand. You know, I don't know. I think it's just, you know what I think it is? Obviously, it's that Kristen is not over Tom, which that's another thing. So the two questions I have, and then I'm going to shut up. Uh, why don't why don't the people on the show just sometimes quietly make a decision in their heart of hearts like uh, that person is not at their best? I'm not going to be friends with them, but I don't need to make a big deal out of it. I just need to realign my life and go on. But, uh, but having said that, like they can't make those decisions. This is not a 500 page novel where characters get to have emotional nuance and complexity. This is a reality TV show on Bravo. I get that. Um, one that I've watched entirely too many episodes of, I, I don't even, I've lost count at this point, but I've spent so much time in the erudite trenches uh, of literary culture and story culture that I devour it. And I do maintain that, you know, I'm not trying to like punch down or be cool or whatever. I maintain that these stories are epic. You know, I mean, they are, they're big. They're biblical in a million ways. They're about temptation. They're about dreaming. They're about failing. They're about trying to be who you hoped you would be. They're about trying to be uh, who uh, you intended to be versus who you always seem to become. They're about pain and growth. I mean, these are great. These are great stories. It's all too easy to write them off as reality TV. Also, why don't they use some sort of like, like sense of decency and, and shame each other a little bit over, over like their less than desirable sides of each other's personalities. Do you know what I mean? Like, why don't they, uh, why doesn't anybody just say to Kristen, Hey, Kristen, you're obviously still in love with Tom Sandoval. Like you're obviously not over him and you have, even though you've started a new relationship with James, you um, are obviously still heavily invested in Tom Sandoval, but he's over you and he's moved on with his life and it's kind of sad to watch. And, you know, I'm sorry that you're still in love with him, but your behavior is just Maybe you just need to take time and get over him, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Why don't, why don't they, instead of aggressively engaging, why don't they just admit the, the sort of embarrassingly sad, awkward and totally humane truth of the situation that is so apparent from the outside? There's nothing, we've all been there. It's, it's part of being a human being, 
I just wonder why nobody, you know, goes, come on, like, pick yourself up. And uh, it's, you know, we've all been through it and it's time to get over the last person and move on. Wow. Um, <laughs> that is just chaotic. Like, uh-huh. It is a tight fit. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you and I will both watch that episode, but we'll comment on it as we talk about episodes 14 and 15 next week. Well, that's it for this episode of Vanderpump Robs with Mackenzie Green. Mackenzie, let the people know where they can find you. Ladies and gents, you can find me on Instagram at Miss USA 2 T O M B A. Um, your girl relaunched her blog recently, so I've been posting once a week. So, you know, check that out. It's Miss USA to MBA.com. And you can catch me every Friday on the Taylor Strecker Show behind the paywall, which is where uh, Rob gets to hear me tell insane stories from my family. Yes, she called me out on the latest episode. She's talking, she's talking VPR. She also brought up, and I'll just, we'll end on this. She brought up uh, an acquaintance, Amanda Hirsch, uh, not skinny, but not fat. She's been on a previous episode of this podcast here. Let me say, if you're looking for an entry point to this Taylor Strecker show, uh, Patreon, I would say, the Friday most recent to the release of this episode uh, is a good starting off. So, I mean, we're basically the MCU at this point. I mean, it, realize, like, yeah. I'd like to think that you and I are Ant-Man and the Wasp. And people are like, people are like, do I need to watch that movie? And we're like, yeah, because otherwise Infinity yeah. Wars and Endgame will make literally no sense. Very true. We're our, well, let's just say the universe is growing. And yeah. Uh, if you would like, you know, there's only a few episodes left of this podcast. So, listeners, if you would like more from us, let us know. All right. I'm going to stop recording. Oh, wait. You can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Rob K. Schulte. Same on Instagram. Uh, go to pinkjeansproductions.com to hear more about this podcast and other podcasts I make. Pink Jeans also has a Patreon. So, uh, support the stuff you love. Bye, everyone. Rob's never mad. I've never in 11 years seen him mad. So Rob, he likes coffee with his creamer. Like I can't wait for like Rob and I to get a house one day. Rob and I are gonna have like two kids. Rob makes me so 